You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Thank you so much. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like to go back and sort of reminisce just a little bit and pick up some of the real old blues. If we should happen to play one that you remember, let us know it by making some noise. If we should pick up one that you might remember. We'd like to start it off by one of the real, real oldest. And it sounds something like this. For this episode, we'll be talking about B.B. King, Live at the Regal. In the room, I have Rob and Adam. Hey. Live at the Regal is a 1965 live album by American blues guitarist and singer B.B. King. It was recorded on November 21st, 1964 at the Regal Theater in Chicago. It was released on the ABC record label. The producer was Johnny Pate, and the genre is blues. By all music reviewer... Uh, Daniel Jeffrey. B.B. King is not only a timeless singer and guitarist, he's also a natural-born entertainer. And on Live at the Regal, the listener is treated to an exhibition of all three of his talents. Over-percolating horns, hits, and rolling shuffles, King treats enthusiastic audience to a collection of some of his greatest hits. The backing band is razor-sharp, picking up on the leader's cues with almost telepathic accuracy. King's voice is rarely in this fine of form, shifting effortlessly between his falsetto and his regular range, hitting the microphone hard for gritty emphasis and backing off in moments of almost intimate tenderness. Nowhere is it more evident than at the climax of How Blue Can You Get, where the Chicago venue threatens to explode at King's uh, prompting. Of course, the master's guitar is all over this record, and his playing here is among his best in his long career, displaying a jazz sensibility. King's lines are sophisticated without losing their grit. More than anything else, Live at the Regal is a textbook example of how to set up a live performance. Talking to the crowd, setting up tunes with a vignette, King is the consummate entertainer. Live at the Regal is an absolute necessary acquisition for fans of B.B. King or blues music in general. A high point, perhaps, even highest for Uptown Blues. What did we think of Live at the Regal? It's a very fun record. You know, for a blues record, it's very upbeat, engaging. Like you you said, he really commands the crowd, plays with them a little bit. You know, opening with a big swing and number, and then uh, basically just keeping it fun and lighthearted for such a classically... I mean, that's the Chicago blues kind of way, I guess, but um, 
But it's a it's a really good sounding record. He's, his voice sounds great. Yeah, I was surprised how good his voice sounds because typically when I think of BB King, it's he doesn't have that falsetto that he has. That on falsetto this. was the number one thing that stuck out. Just like instantly hit me the first time, and then I kept listening for it and kept hearing. It's just really strong falsetto. Yeah, and up there too. Like it was is the thing that made this record for me. Yeah, I, I agree that that the singing all day his guitar playing is is it's BB King. I mean, you can't get more of a uh, that sweet kind of guitar blues licks than BB King. He's the king. Yeah, obviously. he knows he knows when to like lay back and exactly. when to lay in. But that singing pushes it over and his his little banter with the crowd um, having a little back and forth and hearing their reaction, yeah, it, it's it's pushing it into that sort of Sam Cooke territory um, and those other la- great live records. Yeah, yeah. my BB King experience like before this was Old Man King. You know, I never yeah. went back and listened to the old catalog, so when when his voice started hitting the high notes, I was like, "What the fuck is this BB <laughs> King? I've never." It's wailing. Yeah, yeah that's strong. No clue. Um, you know, I'm not a uh, I'm not a blues dude for the most part but i found this completely enjoyable the entire time and yeah the 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 crowd is freaking the fuck out yeah (laughs) i'll say my my criticism or my my hindsight is 2020 is like and i know it's a classic uh thing to to in the blues genre, but he does not have a high opinion of women. Uh, It is, uh, there's a lot of uh, women that are doing him wrong. Uh, There's a lot of women that are no good. Uh, He either, he knows the wrong women or he just isn't fond of them or too fond of them. I don't know. I I don't want him to meet the right women. Otherwise we wouldn't get records like this. He, He must just, it must be a, a fucking murky swamp of, of terrible, terrible women. Well, his manager just keeps setting him up with these, like, <laughs> the wrong women. Like, <laughs> I need I need a new album, BB. Exactly. BB, <laughs> oh, you gotta meet this girl. She's uh, wild. Also, a little filthy, too. Sweet little angel, spread your wings. Yeah, I was... Uh, I, I <laughs> By was wings, what do you think he's referring to? I, I thought maybe, like... Like an airplane. It gives him a lot of pleasure when, yeah, yeah that just, happens. When you do it like this. Jeez. Yeah. I was, I was a little was a astounded because I kind of forgot how, how filthy, uh, you know, it's like honeysuckle rose or something. No. You're just like, oh, man, there is, this is a, there's a thin veil here of, of the lyrical content and what it means. It's uh, <laughs> I kept waiting, quite shocking. I kept waiting for the songs like, to, to, like, start with, like, yeah, like, se- thinly veiled sexual reference, then, like, thinly veiled, I'm killing this lady now, <laughs> and, like, it's, like, there's, there's this darkness, and that's, that's blues, is, like, that sort of intensity, uh, that sort of, just, uh, it's, like, the smooth feeling of the music combined with, like, often some pretty dark stuff. I've got a sweet angel. I love the way she spread her wings. Y'all's got a sweet little angel. I love the way 
You know, I asked my baby for a nickel. But, and th- it's funny because it's just like, B.B. King you always sort of thought is like, for people our age, the uh, he's like the ambassador of blues to the mainstream. He's as the far kind as the old gentleman with the diabetes. That, yeah. You know, he was awesome, but I, I, no clue. No clue that this stuff was coming out of his mouth. I am sorry. I, I mean, absolutely I, interrupted you. I, it, it makes sense. I mean, he, he was a bit of a... A elder statesman. That's what I was saying. He's the ambassador. That's all I was saying. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, this is him and his and at his kind of his his height of kind of a wild man, kind yeah. of a having having more fun like, in these club this club atmosphere. Like I had a record of his that came out in like ninety five or something. You know, just when I you know was really into blues as a new guitar player, and um, you know it's thirty years later. Um, and you know, he was definitely like, oh, he's one of the greats, you know. And that you're thinking about it as a, you know, 14 year old or whatever, at, from a really different perspective, where it's like, oh, this is the guy who's been around doing this. But I'm also not going back and listening to at least in 90, uh, 95, 94. I wasn't going around listening to this live at the Regal record. It was more just like, what can I get my hands on at mm-hmm. Sam Goody? The yeah. internet made things a lot. Yeah, easier, that's man. what I mean to say is yeah. that like I didn't have access to the whole catalog. Yeah. I um I it was more just like, oh, I heard that BB King is one of the blues guys that I should be into. So I just go out and buy whatever record they had at the record store. Yeah, and um, that's the whatever C D. That's kind of the interesting thing about people, especially blues mu- musicians who have a very long career, because I would say this is this is his, you know, I don't know if you want to say raw, but this is sort of his like R&B sort of like mm. soul blues, but then he gets more into the <laughs> that, yeah, well, mm-hmm. I'd say once he hit, he hit with the thrill is gone yeah, yeah. or something like that, it gets into that more Chicagoy kind of blues where it's where it's a little smoother, the production's a little slicker. The Chicago blues turns into something I very much don't like, exactly. but yeah, I like me this too. very much. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I'm right Chicago with you. blues gets like really tacky and like it's like that Nashville sound for it's me. Not cool. It's, yeah, it goes from the honky tonk into the Nashville sound, where it's high production totally. value and it's all about playing and the smooth vocal and and the you kind of lose a little bit of an edge. Well, I like feel the, like yeah, it's like. I would say, like, you had, you know, in the in the 60s or something, you have, like, Chris Christopherson in Nashville doing these kind of, like, raw, cool-sounding stuff. But it's like, but now it gets so polished up and you got, like, Brad Paisley or something where it's just like, yeah, I'm definitely not into this. Like, and like no offense, but just this is not, this is definitely not cool. And I feel like Chicago Blues, that happened big time. Also known as the babysitting blues. Yeah. <laughs> and no one gets out of here without singing the blues. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> uh, so I did a little research on B.B. Uh, King, of course. Uh, he said that his favorite singer was Frank Sinatra, which seems kind of surprised me. And that he listened to, uh, hmm. he was kind of a Sinatra nut, and he went to bed every night listening to the wee small hours of the morning to bring it back to the first episode that we did. Uh, He said during the 60s, Sinatra arranged for King to play main clubs in Las Vegas, and he credited Sinatra with opening doors for black entertainers who were not giving a chance uh, to play in white-dominated venues. Very cool. Yeah. Where'd it go, Sinatra? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, Sinatra... Everyone is always kind of like, he's a piece of shit, but hey, he did something. Hey, you know, right? Yeah, this. that's fantastic. I mean, like, 
give these people a chance. Like, you know, people like BB King, that's incredible. Like, you hear something like that and don't do something, you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, with his power. Uh, does anybody know what BB stands for? Bruce Bruce. <laughs> Bad boy. <laughs> Buster Brown. Uh, after his service in the army, he began doing a... He was a disc jockey, and he was dubbed the Beely Street Blues Boy, nickname that shortened to BB. <laughs> and he founded the game, the the gang, the Beely Street Blues Boys. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing, too, I would say about this album is his guitar tone is one of those tones that I think is sought after. That It's that, regularly duplicated, yeah. And... Every single time I hear that his playing and the guitar tone, I feel like I immediately know that is BB King. There's, it's it's like a signature that his voice changed, you know, later on and everything. But that guitar tone and that style, that smooth riff playing, those small little riffs that he can just, you know, put in there. I, I completely agree. I feel like, uh, you know. It's like there's a few people that that have that distinct thing. Stevie Ray Vaughan, for better or worse, has one of those tones that you know what his guitar sounds like. <laughs> Zach Wilde? Yeah, yeah, that's another good one. Um, Randall Rose. I was going to say Hendrix. Like, uh, I'd say Hendrix, Hendrix. too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Queen, you yeah. know, I mean, uh, there's there's all sorts of... Uh, there's There's people like that, but there's not... There's not that many, you know. There's you know. There's about you know a dozen or two uh, that that most people could pick out. Um, I think BB King is one of the you know top few that people would just say, especially for blues too. I you know sometimes blues kind of blends in a little bit. It gets, yeah. It's get you know you hear you hear so many different guitarists kind of do those licks, but yeah, his for. For whatever reason, he he just had something about that that playing, and it really just sticks out. Does anybody know how he his uh, guitar got its name Lucille? Because this is a story I've. I feel like I used to know this, I've, but I've heard and it's it's such a good story. So King attended a dance uh, in Twist, Arkansas, huh. and it had a barrel lit with kerosene in the middle of the dance floor used to keep the crowd warm late at night. Nice. While there, a fight broke out and the barrel was knocked over, causing a fire to spread throughout the venue. Everyone evacuated, including King. But he rushed back inside to retrieve his prized guitar. Luckily, he managed to escape with the guitar as the building co collapsed around him. King later learned that the fight erupted because of a woman who worked at the venue named Lucille. Uh, wow. And from then on, King named his guitar Lucille to remind him never to do anything so foolish again. Wow. <laughs> so he basically was like, why, why did I go back in there? That was so dumb. Wow. I'll never, like, he, he basically admitted to himself, I'll never be that it's just a guitar. Yeah. You know, and he's had several 
Lucille's. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. That's a great story. There's also that uh, really great song um, by Little Richard, Lucille, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder. Uh, I wonder if there's any connection. Connection. There. I doubt it, but you know, yeah. it's still fun. It's a song that definitely makes me think of the era. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or a name that makes me think of the era. Yeah. He also did. He was also one of those guys too that was kind of a road dog, as we like to say. He was doing 300 shows a year. Ooh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Quite a, for, for over 30 years. Uh, Sarah has a photo. With him, my wife has a, a photo with him when she's like 15. You know, when she went to go see him here in Louisville, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you do that, you earn the the moniker King of Blues. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like when I listen to this record, this is a small observation, but it made me feel like I feel like BB King is the Duke Ellington of his generation. That's the comparison. I, one of my favorite ways to think about music, and sometimes it's fun to insult a modern band by doing this, <laughs> but my favorite way to think about music is, is often, well, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think context is everything. And, it, and it's interesting because there's groups that get really big in the time that you're, you're living in and you're like, what is the appeal? Why? What is going on? And it only makes sense in the context of, well, when I think about it, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, my parents' generation was really into this super lame thing. And, yeah. you know, there's just a section of people that will buy into this or whatever. But then it also works with the great artists. And, you know, I like Duke Ellington. And I like Duke Ellington and B.B. King. Neither of them are my favorite of their era. But I like them both. And I feel like B.B. Uh, is doing a very similar, just like high production, very entertaining uh, sort of undeniable uh, presentation of this this style of music, without being particularly edgy, and I think that was sort of the the Ellington signature. And a pretty, pretty long career too. Yeah, just and celebrated and being a statesman, you yeah. know, just being like a pro who's up there crushing it, doing their thing that doing it and doing it well, but without it being a uh, you know like a crazy wild edgy like burnout bright type. And, yeah. and I think that's a, for me, that that's a strong comparison. But, you know, I'm sure someone who listened for longer might have something else to say about that. Yeah. Like an older, yeah, he, he kind of has listener. those different eras, too. His his guitar tone doesn't doesn't change, but I feel like he does because he he's a little bit wilder here. You can hear in the Regal, yeah. uh, him getting in with the crowd. Although, I mean, I'm sure that was his normal gig, but then he... He draws in probably a little bit different style of music, different band when he goes into The Thrill Is Gone and then even later in his, you know, uh, older older yeah. career. Yeah. Uh, Baby King, he didn't escape the uh, old uh, old rocker uh, trope of doing a uh, commercial for fast food. Oh, yeah. I, I was really hoping that... Yep. He, he didn't Which have, one was it? He didn't do Taco Bell, but he did the Burger King Egg Witch commercial. Ah, uh. I do remember that. Baby, I always loved those egg witches. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> gonna lose that foot, baby. Oh boy. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I was I was hoping he didn't get sucked into the Johnny yeah. Cash, Little Richard, uh, Willie Nelson, Taco Bell thing, but he went. <laughs> of course, BB King does Burger King. <laughs> yeah. What else is he gonna do? 
It makes sense. Uh, it sounds yeah. like Burger King. <laughs> God, you just see the geniuses in the writing room there. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question, yes, I, I I do think this should be in the the top one thousand and one records. Yeah, I, I would say so. Okay. Uh, is this the only BB King record that's gonna pop up? I believe it is. Then fuck yeah, BB King absolutely yeah. deserves a, a place in this. I really like the Pantheon. recording. I like the song selection. Uh, Sharp BB, too. BB King. I, I think it's rollicking for a guy that that I I think I didn't always identify as being like quite so energetic. Uh, yeah, it's a great record. I think it, it makes sense to have that. I mean, he's got to be represented. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, we all are on board. <laughs> all right. Next time we're, we'll be talking about the Beatles. Rubber Soul. All right, thanks, guys. Come back!